Well, this is episode number 39 of Corner of Hunter and George, Peterborough's Art and Cultural Podcast. Oh, I look through the window and what do I see? Christmas snow coming down on me. And further down the road, we have the old G. Well, terrible poetics, but fitting for, for this episode. Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods is a small but determined group of people who see an injustice and governmental contempt almost in letting BWXT process uranium pellets using beryllium. 25 meters, as they put it, from a public school, the historical landmark of Prince of Wales Public School. I got to discuss this with one of their main spokespeople, Peter Harris, if nothing else, it is important to know what is happening at the former G. Still GEO land of the company BWXT on Monaghan Road. How Karn has fought this and what it is looking for in information right now. In overall, an industrial town or city basically gets short-term gain and long-term pain. That's been shown in a lot of places. As I've studied GE, I see a community spirit from the past with one common employee given employment to those not yet done high school, and it was that in its glory days. But now, 100 years or so later, 130-odd years later, we have toxic-filled land, empty buildings, and a current company making uranium pellets for Candu reactors in one of their buildings for Darlington and Pickering, one of their plants. And thinking nothing of it being right beside residencies and another in a public school, as I said. Peter takes me all over the map on this issue, and he tries to paint you a picture of perhaps uh, the city's biggest and definitely most long-standing environmental issue where democracy has not been in action. So I hope you enjoy this discussion and off my 2022 podcast with Peter Harris. Now, I will add that we were discussing beforehand, things like how Peter got involved with Karn, and this discussion has sort of picked up a few minutes in. So, here we go. This BWXT is a better company than GE, I'm, I'm fairly confident of that, but it, it still doesn't excuse putting uh, a nuclear processing facility in the heart of a city. 25 meters from a school. There's just no excuse for that. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the main reason why I'm, I'm to, I got involved in the first place. Okay, so um, so what what time period was this that you first got involved? Um, it would have been uh, when my first kid uh, was born, uh, so five, she's 20, 23, 24 now, 20, 25, 
she's 97, 20, yeah, she's 25. So um, it would have been probably uh, 20, 20 years ago, 20, 19 years ago, somewhere in there. Okay, yeah. so those would have been like uh, the dying days of GE, yeah. attached yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and you, you know, you, you never wanted to rock the boat with them mm -hmm. because everybody was afraid they were going to shut down. So Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was always the threat. And, and being a one-horse town, I was afraid, too, that, uh, that um, you know, some employees would come after us. And uh, uh, there was always that fear. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, nobody ever did. But, uh, and it's still there to some degree. That's why I have a Google camera. In fact, I'm uh, just always afraid that by putting my name to something, I might be, become a target. Um, so... You know, it's a, it's it's awkward. I, I just there, there's a, a moral question here that kind of is what unsettles me the most, um, and it's something that the CNSC has never addressed in their hearings. And uh, uh, it, it's a they don't talk about the inequity. The you know this is a neighborhood that doesn't have much money. And, mm -hmm. You know, uh, maybe you're taking advantage of them by putting a facility like this in the heart of it. You wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't have expanded this facility in Oakville. I'm sure, but, or, or, you know, in some Tony area of Toronto, it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah. No, um, well, that area, and I've actually, honestly, I've been doing research with GE so in a, for a kind of like a longer term project, and that area itself never was really that well off. They were made to, you know, they used to have um, a huge, like, facility for workers. They had thing, nice, neat things in, like, bowling alleys and things like that, but it held, like, 500 workers. Oh, really? It went up on fire, like, right across from where Prince of Wales is around there. Oh, in there? You know, yeah. Like, that... I heard that they dumped stuff in there. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the reasons why that burned... There was an isolation hospital in there. Yep. Know? So, was it a, a, a worker's dorm? Before? Yeah, it's like a worker's dorm, yeah, because oh, they had to bring in a bunch of workers from... Yeah, because so, there, there were enough here. Interesting, because yeah. I heard that they'd stored a whole whack of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why it burned so well is because it uh, they had a lot of chemicals in there. Mm -hmm. um, and the ministry, the, the business with the, this contamination around West Clocks, um, that, that's troublesome too. Uh, yes, you know, yeah. Why isn't the ministry asking, before all these people die, why isn't the ministry asking where where are these sites? Can can somebody can people come forward and tell us where these sites are? Because there's a public knowledge about all, all this stuff. I'm sure there is. Um, you know, ask, ask some of the former maintenance workers at GE whether or not they dumped out there, and you know what kinds of chemicals they dumped. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure they get some answers. Um, but yeah. So so when you did this. Um 20 years ago or whatever, uh, was that what started Citizens Against Radioactive Neighborhoods? No, we were more recent. Uh, I wasn't mm -hmm. actually, I was laying low and uh, mm -hmm. I retired, so when I was enjoying my retirement, um, antagonism uh, really is wearing. So I'd gone mm -hmm. through one round um, uh, of license hearings, and uh, actually more than one, there's a couple of rounds of license hearings, and uh, Karin started um, a little bit after well, a few years after that, uh, and it started in preparation for this last license hearing. Um, so uh, around 2018, okay, a couple of individuals were, were keen on that. So it's been a reaction to like BWXT's um, uranium that doesn't really have much to do with GE, what they did. No, yeah, okay, yeah. So 
Um, BWXT um, in 2018 bought uh, GE's business. Mm -hmm. um, GE retains ownership of the site, oddly mm -hmm. enough, and they're leasing the business, the, the site from, they own the business, but lease the site from GE. Um, and, and uh, you know, so 2016, you buy this um, business, you know um, your, your business is providing uh, pellets mm -hmm. uh, to two nuclear plants, um, uh, one in Darlington, uh, and uh, one in uh, uh, Pickering. Yeah. And so one of those two plants is closing, so about 50% of your market is gone mm -hmm. uh, in 2021. That's what they thought when they bought it. Um, so we've always wondered what the business plan is for BWXT. We, we don't, don't really know. Um, and it's not a condition of licensing. You know, you'd think in the nuclear industry especially where the windows are, are so big, you know, the, mm -hmm. the time frames are so large to plan and that th they could at least provide a business plan. But we don't really know what their business plan is. Um, you know, did they buy this business anticipating they were going to lose 50% of their market in 2021? You know, what really were they thinking? Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, we have uh, um, a nuclear business that's expanding, or trying to expand uh, with these small modular reactors that they're trying to build. Um, so is BWXC trying to position itself for that market? I, I, one would have to believe that that's what they're here for. And one of the concerning things about that is that uh, there's no small modular reactor right now, no small modular reactor at all that um, uses unenriched fuel. Um, so that would mean the implications for Prince of Wales School would mean that uh, BWXT would be processing um, fuel for uh, these, these small modular reactors that was enriched and the risks associated with that go way up um, and you know the, the uh, uh, local health unit acknowledges that, that this is a concern that enriched, okay. enriched fuel well, is much more has much greater risk associated with it so um, th this is not the first time one of the license hearings um, before Karn was around was for bringing enriched fuel into that plant. Uh, so uh, the, uh, GE applied to have the fuel brought in that got a lot of us going and uh, very excited about it. Uh, and uh, they, they, for some reason, they withdrew their application. Uh, so they stopped. Um, so we don't know, you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because uh, I'm concerned that the, this is just the beginning getting a nuclear license anywhere is really difficult. That's really probably the main reason why they're still here and they operate in downtown Peterborough. Everything is grandfathered. Uh, this uh, change in license uh, didn't invoke any any uh, alterations in terms of uh, you know, their overall license conditions uh, because they already existed. They could bring the, even though the manufacturing process is way different in Toronto than it is here. Mm -hmm. They could bring that into uh, Peterborough on this grandfathered license. Um, in theory, it should have triggered a whole bunch of other conditions. Like, and One of the considerations is the proximity to the school. It should have triggered that. Uh, if you look at uh, international rules, the IEA, which uh, is the International um, 
uh, atomic agency that mm-hmm. regulates uh, power, or, or it doesn't regulate it, but it, it makes recommendations. Um, proximity to schools is one of the things you're supposed to consider when you're locating these uh, facilities. Yeah, so... Okay, so you're saying you're uh, just wondering what exactly the plans are for both BWXT and G itself, like yeah, owning the property yeah, still? Yeah. Okay. And, and BWXT certainly, you know, it knew when it bought the property that it was losing 50% of its market. Uh, mm-hmm. It's down yeah, that, yeah. They've extended Pickering's license, so mm-hmm. they're still selling to Pickering. Um, but, uh, you know, you really have to wonder what, what they're up to. And uh, to me, it's a concern that we've never seen their business plan. Okay. Now, sorry for these kind of scientific 101 questions, but for someone who doesn't really know a great deal about the topic, so in sh- I guess in a short kind of way, like what are the dangers of u- uranium oxide pellets? Uh, um, well, to, to, um, we, we've seen comparisons uh, before with, uh, uh, like somebody says, uh, well, I mean, there's more radiation in a banana, and there's radioactive um, potassium in a banana. A lot of potassium and bananas, so mm-hmm. uh, you you get that. But our concern is about this uranium dioxide. Uh, in um, uh, uh, it's very tiny form uh, as an aerosol that would be inhaled, and that's one of the dangers uh, with the Toronto facility. Uh, they process dust, uh, very fine particles of uranium oxide. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that stuff is allowed to escape into the air, uh, that then um, you know there's a potential for a kid to inhale that. And the uranium oxide is um, it it uh, will linger in the body for a long period of time for a kid's lifetime potentially. Um, and sure, it's not a super strong emitter, um, but uh, having some particles of uranium oxide in a kid's body for the lifespan of a kid, um, I think, poses a special kind of risk and one that we, we need to consider outside of an adult or you know somebody else who who um, who might be exposed to it. And, and you know, as a kid in a playground right next to that facility is 25 meters away to the playground. Uh, there's there's no other place like this in the world. Um, so mm-hmm. this facility is a real outlier in terms of its proximity to to, um, to kids. And uh, uh, there's really never, ever been a, a clear study that looked at uranium oxide powder in children and uh, how it might affect them over the course of their lifespan. It would be a really complicated study. Um, and, and, you know, could you say that over the lifespan of a kid um, that... Uh, uh, over 60 years, uranium oxide might increase the risk of uh, death by 1%. You could never say that unless you had millions of kids involved. So mm-hmm. it's it's a complicated problem. Um, yes, uranium oxide is not a super strong emitter, but it, it is an emitter, and we shouldn't be uh, exposing kids that have no potential to gain from it uh, uh, to, to that uranium oxide. Uh, it's just immoral, and uh, and uh, as far as health goes, you know, I think it's hard to say uh, what what the long term risks would be. Um, you know, it's not going to kill them overnight, but it, it would. You know, it, over the long term, it certainly would pose a risk. Okay, so are you saying like the big danger is like before it's put into a pellet because now the plant is getting the 
doing the whole processing itself. That's when the danger is of it escaping into the air. Yeah, we, we the, um, the the process in Toronto takes. Uh, Toronto is in a very similar situation to Peterborough. It's mm-hmm. a historic facility. It's been there forever. It's in the East End. Uh, yeah, it's in right. the East End. It used to be all industry around there. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's they've got plans for these condominiums. So yeah, it's crazily uh, developing very quickly. Uh, so the writing's on the wall for them down there. Um, I'm pretty sure they see that. Uh, you know, they, they know that eventually they're going to have to leave. So uh, there they process this powder. They take powder that's been made in um, uh, Port Hope. It's shipped to um, um, uh, Toronto. They process it in a stream of uh, hydrogen, uh, pure hydrogen gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the risks that's uh, troublesome to me. There is a risk for explosion, but uh, anyway, they process this hydrogen at high temperatures, uh, or process the uranium oxide, I should say, in hydrogen high temperatures, with the idea of um, um, reducing it. So the hydrogen is a reducing agent; it, it um, um, uh, donates electrons to the uranium oxide, and uh, the, this is part of the processing. Uh, so having this high, these high temperatures, having a furnace, having pure hydrogen gas. Uh, at, at high temperatures, uh, that this is the process that they want to bring to uh, Peterborough next to this public school. So uh, a couple of risks. Uh, one is uranium oxide powder itself, and two, you're processing it with uh, this hydrogen gas uh, that has the potential to blow up, um, and it has blown up on a couple of occasions in Toronto. Uh, after hearings closed, ironically, uh, the, the uh, CNSE, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, the body that oversees the, uh, the licensing here, uh, they released uh, a couple of episodes where, where uh, there were explosions at the plant in Toronto. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be unheard of uh, for an explosion to occur of hydrogen. Uh, hydrogen tends to dissipate really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's in a contained area, like inside a plant, uh, there's a potential for uh, leakage and to, for the stuff to blow up. So you can imagine uh, having the potential for an explosion, having uh, uranium oxide powder 25 meters from a school. That you know, if there were an explosion in the school or in the, in the facility, that the, uh, there would be a very high chance that the kids would be exposed to it. And again, that's just unacceptable. Right. Um, so just to maybe get the narrative correct over the last few years, so around 20, uh, 2020 sometime, like what you're saying, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, who I guess decides, regulates who, if they're yes. allowed to do this or not. Yeah. I think I was watching some of the hearings from that, um, and they are they're, they basically gave BWXT permission to be doing this. And with you at CARD, you appealed this decision. Yes or took it to federal court, and, you're, and you lost that, and now you're appealing that. That's kind of the current state yeah, of things. Yeah, uh, we appealed, and we lost there as well. So okay. we lost the, uh, in the hearing. Uh, they ruled that they are allowed to expand, mm-hmm. um, and we went to the federal court and uh, asked them to uh, review the decision, which is part of the process. And the judge, it was just a single judge, he uh, said no, it's okay for them to expand. So um, if we we look at the licensing process, uh, uh, 
it um, is is a bit problematic too. There, um, the licensing occurs in front of a uh, panel. Uh, you have uh, uh, typically the the uh, CNSE um, members. That's what you call them. Uh, these, in our case, five individuals who presided o- over the uh, the review. Um, typically, they have PhDs, or they're on a raised day. Um, the public's asked to come in and present uh, to these five individuals on this raised day with a panel of other PhDs sitting in front of them, and then a whole a video link to another set of PhDs in Ottawa. It's, it's extremely, for me, it uh, was extremely intimidating. Uh, and for a member of the public, I think they find it really intimidating. Uh, the other problem with this whole process, in addition to the five, five uh, uh, I think four of the five had PhDs, um, two lawyers in addition to that, so mm-hmm. seven people on a raised day. Um, so it, you also present to, present to a, a body that, that uh, of the five of them, three of them had used to work in the nuclear industry. Um, so you'd wonder if there wouldn't be a bit of a bias there. Uh, of the five of them, four of them were engineers. Uh, this is not this is not a problem where you need engineers. This mm-hmm. licensing. Peterborough, it's, uh, you know, they should have had more people with a biological background. There was only one person with a biological background. Uh, so that one person actually was the one who, uh, in a very rare situation, ruled against uh, the, the um, he said that they should not be allowed to expand. So he, he said, um, no, this is too close to kill kids. Uh, it's safer to leave it in Toronto than it is to bring it here. And by those on my grounds, you should leave it in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto is right in the middle of uh, you know a built up now built up area with condominiums all around. He still said it was safer in Toronto than it was here um, because of those kids. Um, so um, he, he 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 was the one individual who opposed this. Um, so the the licensing then said, okay, it's fine for them to expand. They give them a ten year license, um, allows them to bring this uranium oxide powered to Peterborough. Uh, we uh, went to the Canadian Environmental Law Association, and um, the Canadian Environmental Law Association thought it was uh, kind of an odd ruling, um, because um, typically, uh, if you were to put an addition on your house, you, you'd go to the municipality, and the first thing you'd do is present them with um, drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way you know, um, you know, if you want to expand your house, you have to, you could tell how the municipality could tell how it's going to impact your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And our argument was that this license was out of order because uh, um, they hadn't reviewed any drawings. So they gave approval for the expansion without first seeing the drawings. Um, so they really cannot make any predictions about how it's going to impact the school or the neighbors around the school without first seeing those drawings. Um, you don't know where points of emission are. You don't know where the hydrogen is going to be stored, you know, whether or not it's going to be a two-story facility or how exactly they're going to do all this. Um, we're, we're, we're still unsure of that. We haven't seen any drawings uh, of this proposed facility. Um, so uh, that was the argument we put for the court. The uh, BWXT's lawyers argued that, well, the process, the, the, the license is still open. They can have another hearing. That's never, ever happened before. They've never had a, a hearing after um, previously having a, for, first a ruling uh, allowing mm-hmm. them to come up. 
Um, so there's no pressure on the CNSE to have another hearing in Peterborough. Um, and and still, we, we don't know how this is, is, is going to impact the, the neighborhood. The, the you know, it, what is certain is that the CNSE will review what they put before um, before uh, the CNSE, the, the, they'll review the drawings, they'll, they'll look at this, but the public will not have an opportunity to weigh in on this. This was our, our argument that uh, the, the hearing is now closed. There won't be an opportunity. The judge, on the other hand, said, well, there could be an opportunity. Um, so, uh, and, and ironically, the, the court uh, in, in its ruling said that uh, it, it questioned the wisdom of putting this next to um, the, the, this facility next to a public school. Uh, so the judge saw what the issue was uh, and he wrote in, on his ruling that he questioned this wisdom, but it wasn't his decision to decide that ultimately, unfortunately. Um, so it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to him, um, but he was constrained by the law what his role was. Um, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, there was a bit of a moral victory for us, but uh, it was just a moral victory. It wasn't a legal victory. Right. So, you know, like I said, it's a complicated uh, thing. So two things I'm picking up is, like, one, a lot of it's, it's, it seems like there's been kind of like a blind faith given to BWXT, even if they're doing things like, say, GE wasn't like they were doing soil sampling testing earlier this year. Yes. But, um and but you don't like you said you don't know their business plans and then the way if you're trying to oppose this like say I think it was Dean Pappas back in 2019 who wanted this um, wanted the council to oppose municipal pellets which they said no to but even if he got his way like they don't really have any jurisdiction over yeah, this no they the province doesn't really either yeah and, and yeah so yeah, unfortunately that this is why everybody capitulates right yeah um, and. and the municipality, I think it's 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 dirty money that they accept from this plant. It, mm-hmm. it, there, there's a bit of an addiction to tax uh, money, I think, collected, and they're not willing to accept it. They don't want to think for themselves, councillors in general. Uh, you know, it, it, you don't have to have a PhD to understand what the issue is, and this is that it's an exceptional facility. Uh, it's processing uh, radio- radioactive material uh, next to a public school 25 meters away uh, to me you don't uh, you don't need a textbook for that it's it's pretty simple okay now to move a lot of this narrative like so we go to 2021 so BWXT got this 50 million dollar contract with uh, OPG Ontario power generating and uh, it's I guess for Bar- Darlington and Pickering and uh, I think I was just watching a bit of that ceremony and I think uh, Ontario cabinet ministers, or Todd Smith was there, Dave Smith was there, and they were making this thing like this is jobs for life kind of thing, and uh, that, that that was Todd Smith's words. So, um, did, what did did that did that contract? Does that change anything about uh, how the company operates, or what it's maybe it's what you see as its long term plans are? Um, I there's all these memorandums of understanding between. BWXT to provide this and provide that, and uh, we haven't yet seen um, a commitment to uh, process uh, fuel for that plant here. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, uh, that would involve processing uh, enriched, uh, what they call low enriched uh, uh, uranium, mm-hmm. uh, 
but nevertheless, it's enriched, and uh, they would need a different license for that. Uh, so they'd have to open up their license again and ask to process enriched fuel in, um, in Ontario. And I imagine that's going to produce a fairly, it should produce a pretty rabid response in, in uh, the community around the planet. It really should get people worked up. I mean, I, I'm, I get worked up because I, I kind of feel that that's the direction we head, we're heading right now. Um, and, and I'm afraid that that ultimately is what they're going to try to do as more of these small modular reactors are built, even if they aren't in on the first uh, contract, they might well be on the second or third one. Um, their, their competitor is Cameco and Port Hope. Uh, so Port Hope okay. makes the, the fuel for uh, Bruce uh, and the Point Lepro um, uh, facility in uh, New Brunswick. So they, they make fuel for those two facilities, and they also export uh, ex- elsewhere. Um, but BWXT is in direct competition with them. So there is one provider who could give enriched fuel, and they do have a license to process enriched fuel there. Um, but uh, um, they do have that license. Um, so they could go to Cameco. But again, I don't, you know, I don't know what BWXC is against. If they're interested in processing fuel for these small modular reactors, then they're going to need to have uh, a site that uh, processes a rich fuel. Logically, you build that on a previous license, uh, like the one in Peterborough. Um, otherwise, you'd be applying now for that because it takes a long time to get. You have to go through environmental assessments and so on. And that is an interesting thing about all this. There's never been an environmental assessment for this plant in Peterborough. We asked for an environmental assessment. No, not here. Um, just recently, in 2019, the Environmental uh, Assessment Act was changed, and uh, in uh, the case of uh, an existing nuclear facility, uh, such as where, where power is being generated, I believe it's for uh, 300 megawatts of thermal energy, uh, not electrical, uh, below 100 megawatts of electrical energy, they can build uh, a nuclear reactor without an environmental assessment. So I think Canadians all need to realize that these are American-designed reactors. Uh, this is uh, the one that's been approved here is G. Itachi, uh, the same uh, manufacturer of the reactors in Fukushima, uh, ones that uh, nicely blew up with all mm-hmm. kinds of issues uh, that we see in hindsight after... Uh, a tidal wave overwhelmed, an earthquake overwhelmed uh, uh, the facility in in, in, um, in Japan, um, and it, you know, it's it's uh, an American firm, American design, uh, American hype, um, and um, you know, in, a, in an industry where we've seen all kinds of promises and not a lot of delivery, uh, you know, we we aren't exposing this company to the. the due scrutiny that an environmental assessment would allow. So I think everybody needs to realize that these new reactors, uh, some of the designs are, they're really uh, they're really kind of crazy. Uh, like the one that they're proposing for New Brunswick is uh, using enriched fuel. So that means Canada has to start enriching fuel uh, up to a very high level. And uh, that means that, you know, there's a potential for uh, pretty well any place where we've had enrichment fuel facilities of this type there's been huge contamination first of all and secondly you know um, we, we've always avoided enrichment because it, it's the first step to, towards having a bomb and uh, it's one of the most difficult things to uh, overcome is how to enrich the uranium um, you know the Iranians uh, have been attacked for having enrichment facilities and mm-hmm. we're, 
we're just doing this without any thought, without any uh, consideration um, in Canada. Uh, it, it's really concerning. Uh, so these small modular reactors that they're proposing, are some of the designs are pretty radical, and uh, I think Canadians need to think pretty hard about this, if this is really the direction we want to go. doesn't mean much to you that in September 2021, I think it was SDK Consulting, uh, like they did some sort of assessment and said there's no significant risks. Uh, here in Peterborough? Yeah, here in Peterborough. Yeah, uh, no, it doesn't. Um, you know, it really doesn't. Um, that's uh, something that is pretty important as well. Um, Brilliant levels, um, it, it, my primary concern in this plant right now, and as well as some other around the plant. Uh, so beryllium is uh, it's number four on the periodic table. It's a pretty small yep. atom. It's kind of a, an odd little atom, too. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it's not really what you'd consider to be a typical heavy metal, but it's a metal, so it's got metal properties. It's got non-metal properties. Um, the nuclear industry likes beryllium because it's transparent to neutrons. Uh, one of the ways that you get uh, a fission happening is by getting chain reactions. So you need to have uh, neutrons flowing around, um, released by atoms as, as they split. That's why it's called fission, not fusion, mm -hmm. because you're splitting an atom, you're not bringing atoms together. And when you split these atoms, there's energy released together with a neutron. Uh, the energy is what you want, and the neutron helps to sustain the reaction by going and colliding with other atoms. Um, the the um, beryllium that they use is transparent, to those, so it doesn't absorb the, the, the neutrons. So they put it on the outside of these uh, bundles that they make at the facility in Peterborough currently. They braze it onto the outside of these bundles so that um, it can slide in and out of the uh, reactor core easily. Um, so they had to use a material that's uh, transparent to these neutrons, and that's why beryllium is used. They've looked at other materials apparently, but beryllium is it. Now beryllium is, um, is had a bad history. It, it, um, it was um, uh, used extensively in, in the nuclear industry in the United States in the 50s and 40s, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding of what the implications were for using it. So a lot of the workers that were um, working with this stuff um, ended up with uh, a disease called beryliosis. Hmm. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's a similar kind of line that you had uh, with asbestosis. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and it, it actually produces similar kinds of things. It, it induces an immune response, and uh, when it's in your body, it causes a, a, a buildup of material inside of, of uh, fibrous material inside your lung uh, so it, it's a long-term debilitating disease it's nasty uh, it's also carcinogenic uh, so again we have a facility 25 meters from a public school releasing this stuff uh, mm -hmm. it's a point source for beryllium and um, when uh, the CNS study was uh, initially doing its uh, lead up to the um, hearing in 2019. It's, it started in, um, I believe it was 2015 or 2016. They'd started sampling. So they, they, they hadn't done any sampling prior to this point. It was the Ministry of the Environment that was supposed to be on top of the beryllium. They, they really weren't. They'd done, in the history of the plant, they'd done one soil sample. 
And uh, soil samples are going to tell you, yeah, we're way below the the um, the, uh, uh, the, the the safe level for soil. But you know, your kids are—you're not concerned about kids going out and eating soil. Uh, you're worried about kids inhaling really. So they do the soil testing as a proxy for doing um, air sampling, and uh, the the soil sampling they. In spite of the fact that it's a proxy for air sampling, they say, oh, it's a way below the soil levels. The Ministry of the, um, the, the Health Unit has, has said this. They, they, mm-hmm. they refer to the soil standard. It's a completely false standard. It, they shouldn't be talking about the soil standard because you, the kids aren't, we're not worried about kids eating brilliant. We're worried about them inhaling the brilliant. Um, and the air standards for brilliant are extremely strict. They're really, really, really low, almost to the level where it's difficult to detect. And that's because it's such a nasty chemical. It, it really is a dangerous thing to have floating around the environment. And again, we don't have a whole lot of information about kids in beryllium and what long-term expect, uh, effects of, of exposure are. Um, so they did the sampling, uh, the soil sampling in 2014, um, and there showed significant increases. Well, significant um, I would say in a statistical respect, they said statistically, no, it wasn't significant. But I'm going to use the word significant nevertheless. As if you have any of your listeners or have a background in science, um, significance has a special, uh, has special meaning mm-hmm. uh, statistically. Um, so um, these, these brilliant levels in the samples right around the school were going up. Um, and, um, you know, I, I looked at the research results, and I, I didn't, you know, they're going up. And, but they're still way below the soil levels, so I didn't, you know, okay, well, this, it's got to be safe because it's below the soil levels. That wasn't the concern. The concern was that they were increasing, and this shows that beryllium is being deposited, and, you know, and there's no other way to get for the beryllium to, to get into the soil. It has to be deposited from the air. So how much uh, was in the air in order to cause these increase in the soil, and um, there happened to be um, a professor uh, from Trent University who's a world-renowned uh, renowned, uh, um, expert in uh, uh, airborne contamination, so he, mm-hmm. he uh, is uh, very aware of how airborne, he models airborne uh, pollution of, of heavy metals in particular. So he was able to look at these increases and uh, do some calculations, and he figured out that um, actually to get these increases, you you would have exceeded the safe airborne levels. You you had to exceed the safe airborne levels, safe airborne levels, in order to get the increases in soil. So he raised the alarm, and there was a big to do about this at the hearings, and uh, ultimately. <laughs> Uh, the CNSE took it back, and after a lot of statistical analysis that um, I, I'm no expert in statistics, but um, um, apparently uh, the, their statistical analysis was pretty dubious. Um, and they said that you know, there's just no proof. But nevertheless, over the last, since then, since uh, 2019, um, we've seen a continued increase in brilliant levels, uh, not necessarily in the playground, but in general. So overall, their beryllium levels are increased. And uh, I'm, I'm concerned. Their, their main way of trapping the beryllium, they braze the beryllium on, so they heat the beryllium on to high temperature. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, HEPA filters. HEPA filters are good at trapping um, 
particles. They're not mm -hmm. good at um, uh, solid particles. They're not good at trapping uh, gases. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, if you've got something stinky in your uh, vacuum cleaner, which has a vacuum a HEPA filter on it, uh, it's still going to smell because those um, small gaseous molecules can, can escape. Um, uh, same problem here. Uh, they've got HEPA filters. That's their only way of trapping the beer. They heat the beryllium to a very high temperature to where it could be volatilized in, into a gas and it could go out the flue of their, their chimney without being trapped by their HEPA filters. And their whole argument is that, well, we, you know, we're trapping everything in the HEPA filters. No, you wouldn't be if it was in a gaseous form. Um, so, I, you know, I, um, uh, I know it's no... Um, it, it's not really good to say this because I'm one individual, but uh, if you've grew up around this plant in Peterborough, you'd become attuned to the smells of the plant. And it used to be with the plant before, you'd know when the armature building, when they were uh, putting the coatings on the wire, mm -hmm. because there was a particular odor, uh, it bothered me. Everybody denied that there was any odor at all when I talked to the ministry, oh no. Um, but last fall, long after GE had closed this facility there, I smelled a very small, sharp, acrid kind of smell. This is uh, typical of what happens with beryllium. I've also had phone calls from an individual who said they smelled it uh, south of the plant. And um, uh, I, I suspect that there is leakage of beryllium from this plant. Uh, and, you know, that sharp smell had to come from somewhere, and it, it, there's just not anything operating around here that would produce a smell like that. It was on the kind of night, too. I, when I came home, I rushed back and looked at the weather, and sure enough, there was a due south wind, which was kind of unusual. Um, and and it was very calm, um, you know, not a, a strong wind blowing, but a very uh, light wind, like one or two kilometers an hour. Hmm. Uh, and those are the kinds of conditions you'd expect for the for the brilliant to, to linger around and maybe form pockets and uh, and be a problem and deposit. And this may be the reason why we're seeing increases in certain areas. Um, Overall, um, we've seen an increase in beryllium uh, since they started sampling, uh, and it's kind of hard to ignore those increases now. I, I, I don't uh, you have yet to see the this year's sampling results. Uh, they haven't released them yet, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, with, with them. Okay, and just sort of understanding, what world does beryllium play then in them making these they, pellets? They're a little brazed on. Uh, like fins that they put on the outside to slide the um, slide the uh, bundles in and out of. So it's it's a material okay. they used uh, in and out of the reactor, I should say. It's a material they use specifically because it doesn't absorb neutrons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now BWXT, I think like you said, it's a American. These American-made products, and I think I believe it, the company comes from Lynchburg, Virginia. I don't. Know, is there anything you've discovered about? Uh, the company's past and other locations of like what what they've done, maybe an idea of like what their plans would be or anything about their environmental past that's a little troubling? Yeah, well, you look and there are quite a few issues. Um, there, there is um, um, a facility in Portsmouth in, in the United States um, where, uh, and close to that there was a school, uh, Zion Corner School. Oh, right, Ohio, school. I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. And uh, they're currently being sued um, 
by parents from that school. Um, now that is quite a bit different from this one, but uh, from this facility, mm-hmm. and uh, the risks are a lot different. A lot of exotic, um, radioactive elements. Uh, again, I, I think uh, it was a gaseous diffusion plant, so I think it, they worked on enrichment there. Um, and these are the kind of risks associated with an, um, uh, 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 enriching fuel. Um, but I, I uh, that, in that circumstance, it was about them not informing people. So it, you know, it was about process. It's not a, and they were there to clean up, um, and they didn't properly inform the local neighborhoods, and they found uh, Neptunium, I think it was radioactive, very radioactive material in the drinking water of the public school there. Uh, I was just reading the other day about a a kid who is a, a prospect for baseball pitching, and uh, he died very young. Um, and he went to that school, uh, and his dad, uh, for the rest of his life, will think that uh, the reason why he died uh, was because he had his kid at that school. To me, this is the kind of thing that, you know, uh, the CNSE doesn't weigh any of these things. Uh, when it comes in a license, they don't hear about, you know, what kind of psychological issues uh, having a plant in a residential area downtown Peterborough in a, in a poor area, an impoverished area. You know, what what kind of psychological impact? You know, if your kid develops um, leukemia, I'm pretty sure you're going to be living with the fact that, um, you know, you live next to this plant and, you know... Uh, Maybe it was on you partly uh, as a parent. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, I, there's no argument here. Um, is it safer to put this facility next to a public school or is it safer to put it in a field somewhere? If Canada is planning for a nuclear future, and it appears that they are, mm-hmm. um, you have to consider these things. Um, you really have to start thinking of, of long term. Uh, I know that having a nuclear processing facility, a class one facility in, in a residential area next to a school is not proper planning it, it, <laughs> uh, to the youth. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 we, we, are, we claim that we're moving towards nuclear um, because we, we're considering the, the future for our children. Um, this is an example of where, no, um, you know, if this is the direction you're going, then this, this you're not t- taking into account the children that go to that school. And again, I, I have no doubt in my mind, if this facility were located in a well-heeled, upscale area in Toronto or in Ottawa, um, it, it certainly would not be allowed to expand, and it would have been shut down a long time ago. Yeah, or as, uh, well... Bill pointed out in his show, Bill Templeman and other people, like the, you know, it's obviously a little different, but the nuclear power station in Port Hope, it's not really around anything. Even the one in Pickering, I mean, it's not that far from residence, but there isn't really any immediate residence right around no. it. So, yeah. yeah. So many uh, different levels to this, and also, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for people to grasp, especially about a story that isn't really that publicized. Um, by the mainstream media, if at all, really. Um, I guess if, like, if parents are asking, because Prince of Wales, I'm pretty sure gets, a, if especially these days, gets a fair number of like kids that are coming in, like fairly, like a bunch of new kids coming in on a regular basis. Uh, ones who haven't, you know, didn't grow up here or anything. What well, I guess if someone was asked you, like, you know, 
I had someone say in grade two, like, as a parent, what should I be most concerned about, really? Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, you have to make your own decisions, mm-hmm. ultimately. I thought it wasn't going to do that, sorry. Okay. So you, you have to, as a parent, you know, this is why I got involved, because I had two kids going to school there, and um, it concerned me that... Um, uh, G, yeah, my initial involvement was uh, because G had lied about its involvement with um, parent council. They, my um, wife had been on parent council for seven years and had never missed a meeting at parent council. And um, G con- claimed uh, that they had an excellent relationship with parent parent teachers association, the PTA, they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd never made any contact with the parent council and you know when um, a company uh, does something like that and makes a claim about something that's the only thing we can measure uh, you know we c- couldn't measure the beryllium coming out of the plant we can't measure radioactivity we don't know how safe it is but we can see uh, how well they're communicating with the public which is, which is a requirement of their license by the way um, and uh, in the past, they never had any communication with the local area around it. And I, I lived three blocks away, and I never got a, a bit of information from them. And they made all these claims that they were communicating with us, and they were communicating with parent council. Uh, somebody did the same thing in Toronto, and uh, nobody <laughs> in the vicinity of the plant had any concept that it was uh, uh, a nuclear processing facility. They were completely astounded. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... A lot of people would be surprised if they knew that they processed uh, uranium oxide there. Uh, one of our members of Karn um, moved in, uh, renovated her house, and then to her absolute horror, and renovated it to a standard that was um, sympathetic to the environment. Uh, you know, uh, didn't use uh, uh, stains on on the wood and used recovered materials and so on. She found out to her horror that there was a nuclear processing facility and all this waste next to her. She had no concept being from out of town. town. Um, so it, it tends to be a, a bit of a secret. And, you know, if mm-hmm. a parent comes into the school and uh, doesn't know, they're not going to know any different. And the filter is BWXT right now. And uh, uh, a media that is, uh, I think, is um, definitely on the side of BWXT, too. Um, in general, the local media tends to... To, um, the, the filter tends to be pro pro BWXT, yeah, um, pro jobs. Which you know I can understand. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody needs to have a job, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'll say that you know I have a light on here. I enjoy the fruit of having uh, electricity available at a switch, but that still does not excuse planning for the future. Having uh, a, a nuclear processing facility twenty five meters from a school—that's inexcusable. Um, that's not planning. That's just uh, a historic mistake. That's what. Right. Well, and there is some employment there, but it's hardly like, um, like there's not my research of GE. Like uh, I guess, like from the 20s to the 40s, they had this issue with uh, a high school. It's still there on McDonnell. Um, that uh, they had kids like they they couldn't keep students because they'd be leaving at 14 or 15, cool. getting work at GE, yes. and that's where they would be for yeah. life. They didn't need any more education. Yeah. And I still think one. I sometimes wonder if we still are in that kind of. Some people are still in that thinking that that's going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's you know basically you know you had half the town at one time yeah. employed there, and that's yeah. Well, and we have. Uh, we have municipal planning for a reason. We have mm-hmm. an industrial park mm-hmm. for a reason. And, you know, 
if you if you bring a new industry into town, are you, are you really going to put it right smack right in the, in the downtown and next to a public school? I would I would hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially this kind of industry. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, one of the problems is the CNSC itself, and uh, by uh, having these rules and regulations around uh, building nuclear facilities, um, which is great. Um, it's also very difficult to get these licenses. So that is the, one of the hindrances here. If it was easier for uh, GE or BWXT to get a license to do this somewhere, I'm sure they w- would have done it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's not. And so they hold on to this forever. Um, and they're probably, you know, I'm really afraid again that they're going to ask to process enriched fuel uh, at this facility. And, um, you know, again, uh, it, it's going to be the local community that stands up. No word from, uh, in that case, the health unit, in spite of the fact that they recognize that enriched uranium is um, much more dangerous. In that application a few years ago, when GE asked to put enriched fuel in that plant, uh, the health unit was completely silent. Everybody was silent. Uh, there was no support for the community, uh, you know, and a not very well-off community. Nobody is representing Dean Pappas was the only council member who was really uh, representing us. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put it to the two new aldermen in our ward. Mm-hmm. You know, are you are willing to accept this? And, you know, I don't care. You can't claim ignorance uh, as, um, um, you know, uh, as, as an excuse. You, you, you have to have a position here. Um, and it has to be a strong position, too. Uh, we need to find a solution to this problem, and continuing on with this is not, not a solution. Do you, do you have any sort of sense of how much currently BWXT employs? Yeah, it's a, an ongoing uh, thing. Um, I, I did the math a while ago, and I haven't looked at it recently, um, for what this expansion would mean to... Um, the facility, and I think it was down to like 20 or 30 jobs uh, because you um, uh, there's a, a redundancy in terms of uh, supervision, so a lot of the supervisory um, positions probably would be lost. Uh, there, I think it's a couple hundred, of, um, they have an engineering end, and then they have um, the pellets. Uh, so they have uh, this wing that does a lot of the engineering for um, power plants in Ontario, uh, nuclear plant power plants included, and uh, they, um, <clears throat> in fact, that's their specialty is nuclear power plants. So they they have this wing, and I think there's a um, uh, a few hundred engineers involved in that. So very good paying jobs. Um, mm-hmm. Those jobs don't have to be located in Peterborough. I have to be abundantly clear about that. Um, yeah. No. Are they bringing in employees from Toronto? And yeah, that that and work there? the president of BWXC is on record that he'd like to move jobs towards uh, the sites where uh, the engineers are working, so mm-hmm. like, to the Bruce Peninsula and so on. Uh, so there's a video out there of him saying that. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be too surprising. I, my fear is that they, right now there's a physical facility for those engineers uh, 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 next to the uh, facility here. Uh, mm-hmm. So it... it um, it, it, there, there is that physical facility there, but there's no reason why that facility, uh, you don't need a license to have any engineers working anywhere. So um, uh, that, that facility could easily be, my fear is that when they bring in these lower paying jobs for the uh, pelleting, that uh, those, those engineering jobs would be displaced elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So again, we've never seen plans. We don't know. We don't yeah. know what the structure is going to involve, where they're going to locate their engineers. 
Okay. Well, if you go by the job sites, I think I saw that they're still looking for engineers. Yeah, the they're always looking for yeah. 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 So um, it's interesting too if you go into that facility. I mean, the the uh, I've been t- toured that plant uh, twice. I toured the Toronto plant once, and to BWXT's mm-hmm. credit, they've uh, let us in there to to. Okay. As part of the licensing process, mm-hmm. uh, they claim there's all kinds of um, patent and copyright. You know, I wasn't allowed to bring a camera in, uh, so I, uh, I mean, if you go in there, it's really a 1950s facility, a 1960s facility. It's not getting any around it. It's kind of antiquated looking and uh, acting, and lots of heat. And in Toronto, especially, it's kind of Orwellian. It's hot, uh, wow. noisy place. Yeah, and. Um, so, uh, um, uh, um, if you go into the plant in Peterborough, I, I know they talk about how low the radioactivity is uh, from these pellets, and really there's no risk around I, I have handled uranium samples myself before, and uh, I don't think I'm going to die from it. Um, but uh, when you have a lot of this stuff around, especially when it's in a powdery form, the, the risks go up. But it, nevertheless, they, they claim there's no risks, and... Uh, it, Right above where they store the stuff on the floor, there's lead shielding, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently that was because one of the guys in the office developed cancer. Uh, so they installed the lead shielding. All the workers on the floor don't have the lead shielding, so they're exposed to this stuff uh, whenever they're in there working. The guys above in the management positions, they have lead shielding. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, um, and a bit of, of, of a double speak on their part, I think, uh, when they talk about safety. Um, uh, obviously, there were concerns around uh, staff there mm-hmm. with that lead shielding. I guess there were draftsmen up there who stay at their table for a long time. Hmm. So then one of them, again, got sick, got cancer, so they put that shielding out. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, um, I, 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 uh, I've prospected. I worked for a mining company once, and I prospected for uranium. Uh, in the, the Northwest Territories, mm. and uh, we were getting stuff that was uh, quite hot. Uh, so uh, part of that continuum uh, with Key Lake, a very large uh, plant just north of Saskatchewan, uh, where we were, and um, it, it uh, you know, we, there's not a whole lot of risk, I don't think, with having the stuff in your hand. Same with beryllium, uh, emeralds are a form of uh, beryllium. Significant quantity of beryllium. It's a crystal of beryllium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't worry about dying when you're handling emeralds. But it's when it's in its gaseous form, that's when the, the, the dangers uh, come about. And uh, the, um, you know, when you have this uranium oxide powder, uh, and it's not in a, a gaseous form, but it's in an uh, aerosolized form, it's in the, the tiny particles can be inhaled, uh, they can be absorbed into the body, go to the um, lipid fat, so it goes to your bone marrow, and it can park itself there uh, indefinitely, uh, and it'll stay there. So, uh, again, um, if you're talking about kids, this is the kind of thing we, we shouldn't be doing. Uh, it just shouldn't be exposing them to this kind of stuff. Right, and that, I mean, both, I guess, uranium and beryllium themselves, they're kind of uh, not just, we're talking about... Uh, like for the nuclear reactors, but they're kind of wanted in other industries too, as parts of yeah. machinery or yeah. technological devices or, or yes. so on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, now, one thing your site has brought up is home value, like the effect of home value. 
um, like is that a, that's a concern of yours as well? And do you like do you have any sense as an organization what effect maybe GE had on home value in that area? As well, well? I, I don't know. I just looking at the listings and mm-hmm. uh, all the lowest property values are around that plant. I don't think that's a mistake. No. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know who would believe that allowing that facility to expand would enhance property values. I, you know, I don't, you know. <laughs> and I don't know, as a homeowner, why you wouldn't be thinking about it. I don't know why yeah, the Realtor Association wouldn't be a little more hyped up about it. But, uh, you know, people just want to ignore things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'd be, and, you know, uh, as a municipal councillor, I think they should be concerned about that too. Yeah, sure, maybe they get tax money from GE, but maybe they get more if they allow the property values to go up by mm-hmm. uh, closing the facility. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just, again, I don't think it's wise to put, the, it's why we have municipal planning and industrial parks. That's why we do these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't have to worry about people. So is my correct to say sort of the overall like concern of yours is is uh, like in a lot of ways just this lack of detail of like from the the business plan their assessment of what what of how they operate like their soil sampling that's not sufficient uh, the, just the overall like you just kind of feel like you're in the dark about what exactly is yeah I, I think they're doing a better job than they did mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them that much credit um, but yes they should be doing airborne sampling they shouldn't be doing soil sampling for beryllium they, they need to be doing they should have been doing it uh, 10 years ago uh, and I, I think if you look at the science that they did it was just kind of sloppy uh, just, just mm-hmm. bad science uh, around the beryllium and uh, uh, you know, not doing any statistical analysis of the result, not knowing uh, that these increases. In fact, uh, the last result from the engineering firm that um, was hired by BWC to do sampling around, there was a spike at one of the sites where the sample swapped soil for, for beryllium. Uh, that, uh, in order to cause that spike, uh, Dr. Hearn, the prof from uh, University, uh, Trent University, who, who is the expert in modeling these things, he looked at these results and he said that you would have had to exceed, exceed airborne levels. And uh, so BWXT, uh, using their example of, of, of the CNS EOL, it's just a, a statistical aberration. So rather than treating these things seriously, they're just, first of all, they don't say anything uh, that, oh yeah, this is a situation where we see CNSC has done, not done that, BWXT has not. That to me is really, really bad news. Mm-hmm. If you are exceeding uh, safe airborne levels, you're not doing the calculations, you're not examining your results, you're just saying that's below the soil levels, uh, soil, safe soil levels, then you're not doing your job, and that's not safe. Um, so uh, that's got to change. They've got, they have to have better sampling, um, and they have to start planning for putting this facility somewhere else. It's, there's no two ways around it. This is a never-ending trip to the dentist for them and for the CNSE and for people who live around uh, that plant. Um, it, it, it's not going to end. And um, until until that facility is put in in a place where it belongs, uh, look around the world, and you'll for any place where you you see this type of facility where they process fuel for nuclear power plants, it's not in residential areas. It's in an industrial park, and it's safely isolated from children. Okay, and. Um 
what you've you've mentioned it, you've alluded to it a few times that they have concerns. But what exactly is Peterborough Public Health saying at the moment about this? No, not much. I mean, uh, they should be in a leadership position, and uh, you know they can't say that everybody's going to drop dead. And the CNSC is there. Mm-hmm. We knew that this license was going to happen. We knew that the expansion yeah. was going to happen because if they said it was unsafe in Peterborough, they'd have to say it's unsafe in Toronto, and mm-hmm. that would mean both plants would close. And uh, uh, so we knew that the, that the conclusion was, you know, uh, done beforehand, basically. Um, but when it comes to positions of authority, and this uh, goes for municipal councillors and, and, and so on, you really need to educate yourself about what is happening here and, and why, why it, it's an issue. And, uh, you know, it, it comes down to us having uh, uh, bylaws, and this facility is... If we have a plan for this city, does this fit into the plan for our city? I don't know how it would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, um, and uh, the the health unit to me has a special responsibility to say, um, uh, be very forward with the CNSC that, uh, to say that there are safer places to put this. This is what they need to say. This is not the safest place, and you could be doing this operation elsewhere in a safer manner. And uh, they have never done this. Uh, they have said things like the location of this facility is not ideal. That's buried on their website somewhere. And that's the closest we've gotten out of them to, to saying, you know, smarten up, uh, start planning, mm-hmm. uh, put this facility where it belongs, in an industrial park away from people, and where there's no risks associated with it, or fewer risks. And uh, they haven't done that. And to me, that that's, that's a failure on their part. And likewise for politicians as well. You, you need to start thinking ahead. City that plans to have a nuclear facility in its core or next to a school is really not uh, functioning as a city. It's it's a bit nuts, yeah. And it, like uh, you almost think one of the not hardly the worst case scenario, but quite realistic is you, we may end up with this kind of um, huge amount of like toxic land, basically that GE's already did, and no no one's cleaning that up. So we uh, just have more of it, and what's yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, ironically, uh, the health unit was critical of us. They they did do a bit of a cleanup on that site uh, two summaries ago, mm-hmm. um, and they they you know they they claimed that it was contained, uh, that the contamination was contained. But then they started getting it in the little lake, uh, mm-hmm. so they they had a spike of uh, I don't know if it was PCBs or uh, trichloroethylene. Um, in Little Lake, and so you know why? Why are you waiting for these things to happen? I mean, why yeah. haven't you insisted all along that before GE leaves that property, they they clean it up? Yeah. Um, and certainly back in the day, GE had the money to clean up, and well, they're still doing pretty well worldwide. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, they 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 are a lot worse off than they were. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, there. Uh, I know um, my. Uh, my aunt inherited a, a, a former gas station uh, that her that her father owned, mm-hmm. and she had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to cleaning that up. Right. I, I hate that that standard for a private citizen is different than one for a large corporation. It, it, it shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. And paving over, uh, I think all your listeners should realize that that very large parking lot that never has any cars on it, mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, west uh, side of uh, the G- former GE facility, west of BWXD now, 
that whole area uh, is contaminated. And the reason why it's paved is to uh, contain the contaminants. Um, you know, it's on the side of a hill. Uh, water flows under the the, uh, the parking lot towards a little lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how paving it is possibly going to be a long-term solution, but that's exactly what the Ministry of Educa- uh, Environment has allowed uh, and still allows. You know, it's going to be there forever, I think, uh, until somebody cleans it up. And it'd be nice if it cleaned up. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have some uh, soccer pitches there? And, yeah. Uh, you know, have um, um, some proper planning. <laughs> yeah, so you, you basically BWXT and them being allowed to operate as they Requested, we're kind of continuing this G story, even though it's not technically G's leasing the property. Yeah. But, uh, even though, yeah, we could have moved past it. Yeah, and, uh, and all those horror stories that from yeah. from the fifties and yeah, as people bringing asbestos into their homes, homes, and, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. You know, it's, and it's mm-hmm. just like we want to continue the same, uh, you know, same story, same uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't need to be that way. I don't. So, I guess I was asked you this earlier but say so like if you're kind of if court wise things aren't working for you like do you like as an organization have a certain plan that what you have ahead no we we are actually kind of all this uh kind of activity is uh disheartening um Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to focus on um um, something a little more positive in my volunteer work right now so we're on a bit of a hiatus uh we're gonna Mm -hmm. have to reactivate though when uh you know when things Start moving when they right. want to put the bring the facility back here. Uh, we'll we'll have to be active again. Uh, we don't have any choice. And we uh, this is something that uh, I think your listeners should realize too. We worked really hard um, for uh, Peterborough residents to buy into the the whole CNSC process, the hearings. Mm-hmm. We had more um, interventions in this hearing than there'd ever had mm-hmm. before. Uh, and that's that includes Darlington Pickering, all those nuclear power facilities. When they renewed, there hadn't been a, the number of interventions. Um, so it's important for people to continue that kind of activism. Uh, that registered with the CNSC. Uh, it registered with the judge. Uh, he realized that, that, that there was a tremendous amount of interest in this uh, facility. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've got to keep... The, the pressure up um, and uh, I, I, I think uh, we need to expect more from our politicians and more from our officials, uh, Ministry of the Environment we, we need to lean on them uh, because this is really not uh, acceptable what, what has happened here in the past and uh, if you think that Canada's future uh, is a nuclear future and that involves processing uh, fuels next to a school then no. Uh, now, do you mind uh, saying, like, who else helps you organize this? Uh, well, I know you're kind of in a hiatus, but who else organize? Uh, oh, just Harden? a bunch of local people who live around the plant, mm-hmm. basically, who had enough concern um, to, you know, we, uh, we organized, uh, we got uh, got somebody to come up and talk to us. The uh, CNRC actually has a bit of money um, for us, so we were able to bring somebody in, pay somebody to come in and talk to us. Public um, didn't quite cover, you know, meeting costs and things like that. So there's some out-of-pocket expense, but it's mostly people who live around the area. 
uh, who had enough concern about this and, and who wanted to push things a bit uh, with the appeal especially. Um, you know, that was a, a risk for us. We could have been on the hook for, um, for financial costs. Uh, both parties agreed to pay their own costs in the end, um, which was the right decision, I guess. Um, I mean, it was the right thing for VWST to do, I, I, I believe. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't on the hook for VWXT's uh, legal costs. Um, so uh, that was a form that the CNSC has. So I, I think they should make it approachable. It would have been unwise, I think, for them to, to bill us um, um, because nobody would ever appeal again, uh, you know. Um, and I think appeal is important, especially when you've got a commission that's stacked with uh, former uh, atomic energy uh, or, or nuclear industry employees and, and engineers um, and not one that's stacked with people who uh, recognize what the issues of the community are and uh, ones who are concerned about the biological issues, not so much the engineering issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is finally, how can people uh, find out more about CARN or help CARN? Uh, we have a, a website. It's not very active right now. Um, I should be uh, getting it back up to speed, uh, or we should be getting it back up to speed soon. Um, Again, we're going to have to anticipate when BWXT decides to expand this facility here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, presumably that's going to come with uh, drawings. There's still stuff going on with the beryllium. It has not been resolved yet. Um, so that is an ongoing issue. And uh, if I were to show your listeners uh, a graph of what was happening with the beryllium around mm-hmm. this, this facility for all the samples, I think there'd be some concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there should be. Um, right now, it's just to this tramp prof uh, kind of doing battle with with uh, a few hundred employees at uh, CNSC, and, and you know, again, uh, they they should be the CNSC should be airborne sampling, and they should be uh, doing that all around that facility. There shouldn't be any question about that. Uh, if you want to manufacture in a downtown urban area next to a school, there there are going to be costs associated with that. Again, this is a never-ending trip to the dentist, and you have to be your level of scrutiny has to be higher for a facility like this than anywhere else in the world because mm-hmm. it's like no other facility in the world. Uh, so they, they, the level of scrutiny should be really, really high at this, this facility. Um, and again, uh, I'd like to emphasize that the science that the, the CNSC has done on beryllium has been really poor, really awful science uh, in a word, and. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see that improved um, uh, and for the sake, sake of the neighbors of the school and for the sake of the kids that go to school. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for that. I'll- so, in short, what you can say is happening at the former GE plant, now operating under BWXT, is sort of a 2.0 or 21st century version of GE making another product somewhat similar to what they were doing in the 20th century, but different, obviously, for nuclear reactors and power plants. And raising quite valid environmental concerns with people like Peter. So... I apologize really for the sound and that. It was kind of uh, it was an in-person interview, so if you picked up any dogs snoring and that, that, I think that was a little hard to pick up. But yes, probably wasn't quite 
crisp as I wanted it, but that's all right. Um, you know, the issue overall, is, like I mentioned, is not really thought of, spoken of, or reported on nearly enough, and people kind of just sort of forget about it. Um, especially if you're not someone who's lived in Peterborough long or just it's a rental property sort of situation. Um, nuclear power is kind of a major, larger issue, a meta thing of this. Is it? It is cleaner than a lot of things we've used in the past. It's obviously not coal, but it also is more destructive in a lot of ways. And it doesn't really answer our questions of what we do with things of nuclear waste at the end. And it's just overall the way it's done with government now is a lack of process. A little bit depressing to end 2022 on. I'm kind of happy I've got 39 episodes down now for 14 months. So, a little under three a month, but that's pretty good. In the beginning, I was just doing one a month. So, I feel pretty good about that. I hope you all are enjoying the beginning or the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023, and I'll be back soon.